Welcome back to Naming in an AI Age with Namestormers founder and CEO, Mike Carr. And I am Megan DeZalo, naming director and strategist uh, here at Namestormers. So Mike, we've covered a lot about AI's impact on naming. So can you just high level recap where AI shines? You bet. And I think, you know, this is evolving, of course, every week, it seems like there's something new that pops up. But based upon all the research that we've been doing for the last six months and trying ChatGPT and BARD and all these other APIs and, and writing some Python code, the two areas for us, and that I think for most agencies that we've talked to, where it's really helped is in basic research, right? You're going out and you're trying to do some industry research, some, some basic background research on competitors or on the environment uh, that the name's going to have to work in. You always have to check it, right? So the, the problem is it does hallucinate. So you always have to check and make sure that what it's saying and the sources it's citing are in fact legit sources, not fabricated sources, because we've seen some of that. And that the summary, the the you know, the recap that it's giving is is legit and seems to reflect what's out there. But it's it's been very helpful in that space. And then I think as a creative partner, you know, when you think about ideation and brainstorming and name storming, uh, our team will go down certain paths and then you sort of feed that into one of the AI engines and it might suggest other paths. And I think it sort of helps our crew get started in a new direction. Now, I don't think it's very good at, at figuring out what to do with that new direction, but you know, as far as a, a partner to come up with some additional ideas to throw up on the whiteboard and right. then go from there, I think those are the two areas that it's probably done the best in for us. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, what about where AI falls short, which I know are a lot of ways, but what are the top ways that you've kind of seen where AI falls short in the sense of naming? Yeah, and I think, I think it has to do with the mentality of the project and our customer, customers that really want a me too name, right? Or a me too brand, or their strategy is very similar to their competitors. Well, AI shines, right? Because AI, especially LLMs, the large language models, they're built off historical data. And if they're fairly current, you know, they're going to be able to assess in I think a reasonable way, well, okay, here's what's out there today historically. And so another name, another strategy that sort of fits within the existing space might be this. Right. The problem is from a branding standpoint and from a naming standpoint, that's really not what you want, right? You know, me too is like the death knell. You know, that's the recipe for disaster. What you really want is something that is different, that is disruptive, that is innovative, that isn't like all the other stuff that's out there. So I think AI's biggest shortcoming is this sea of sameness or this ocean of sameness, right? That it tends to come back with copy, if it's copywriting or a blog post or an analysis that's very much in keeping with what's already been said, already discussed, but it's not different. It's not exciting. It's not a new perspective. That's where I think it really falls short and where that, that human coming in there and maybe taking some of what AI has found and then doing something more exciting with that is, is the key to success, at least with most of our engagements and what most of our clients have been telling us. Right. And one of the big questions we ask people is, well, what are you doing in the future? Where are you taking this? Where are you going? Where do you see the future of your industry? And that's not where AI can help. Because as you had mentioned, AI can only pull from what's happened historically and in the past and that me too and that sea of sameness. 
And so it really doesn't help whenever we're trying to propel a lot of our clients into the future and set them up with a name that's really timeless. Right. Now, everyone has to understand, I think a lot of folks that are really into this get this, but I think a lot of other people don't. There are all kinds of different AI tools under development. The ones that have been popularized and everyone knows about, like a chat GPT or a BARD, those are what's called an LLM, a large language model. So they're built off you know, this, this mountain of data. But there are other AI technologies and techniques and methodologies that don't work that way. And they may, in the future, be able to come back with, with greater insights and really be able to discern and maybe make some even new discoveries or new suggestions that are a little bit more creative and novel. They're not there yet. But I don't want everyone to think that, well, the only way these things work is historical data, and it's just sort of this pattern recognition thing where it sort of figures out what the next likely word is or the next likely phrase is. Granted, that's where the technology is today, but I think we're going to see some new new developments in the future. Having said all that, though, Megan, one of the things I wanted to ask you and get into is, I mean, I've been doing this since 1985, so I've been doing this for a while. You know, you've been doing this for five or six years, and I think you bring a millennial perspective to the table. There are certain basic principles that are never going to change. It doesn't make any difference what AI is doing in the future. You've got to go through the same steps because it's human nature. It's the way that we are built. It's in our DNA. It's how human beings process information. And I think it would just be helpful to talk about, here's some basic things, whether you use an AI or not, you've got to do for a successful branding project or, or naming project. And so one of the things I just want to get your, your perspective on is what do you think the most important question is to sort of get out on the table at the beginning of a, of a naming project for one of our clients? Yeah, this one's easy for me with as many projects as we've done now. I mean, the biggest question that we ask is who is the target? Who is your name for? And it's a simple question, but it can be really difficult to answer, you know, depending on who you're talking with. If it's a large company and the CEO is on the call, you know, it can be really difficult to convince them that the name is not for them or even their uh, executive uh, leadership team, or even if they are convinced that the name needs to be for their target, you know, when it comes down to assessing and looking at names, they will still campaign for a name that they like or resonates most with them. But your name is for whoever is really going to be making you the money, right? That could be B to B, it could be B to C. And then from there, you know, you need to consider their age, their lifestyle. Are they male, female? What's their socioeconomic status? You know, what's your target's driving force or their intent behind purchasing? And it can be a lengthy discussion, but it's really the most important question to answer because if we don't nail a name for your target, then we've really failed you. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I think this, this awareness amongst a lot of our clients in their their decision team that we're talking to that they're often not representative at all right. of really who the name needs to work most importantly for and if they bring to the table and some of our clients do they might bring some millennials on board if that's the target or they might bring more of a particular gender or ethnic mix so it's a more diverse representation it's just so important and, and if that's not there at least the recognition that, hey, we need to go outside and do some testing, right, of whatever the short list is right. before we lock and load. The, the other thing that AI, I think, really can't do, and I'm not sure it's ever going to be able to do, is what are the priorities when it comes to multiple targets? And that's different 
that's different for every client, right? So we'll get a we'll get a startup, and their priority is not the customer at all. You know, their priority are the investors because they need another round, uh, and they maybe got their A round in. Now they need to go for a B round, which is much larger. They're really targeting the VCs that are out there. They're targeting the industry analysts that maybe are following them. And so if they don't get that funding, the fact that the name doesn't necessarily resonate with the customers doesn't make any difference to them. Now, that seems a bit unusual, but that does happen. And then for our B2C clients, sometimes, again, it's not the customer, it's their distribution partners, right? So if they're trying to get into a wide distribution, like lots of brick and mortar stores or lots of e-commerce platforms, you know, having a name that the buyers at a Walmart or at a Target feel like, hey, that name's really going to work for the people that are walking through our our stores or that are, you know, clicking through to our website. And so it, it becomes a different mindset then that will first and foremost, what are the buyers that control those distribution channels that we have to get into? What's going to resonate with them and how do we pitch them? Now, ideally, a name that works for the customers with the data that supports that would convince the buyers, the distribution partners that, hey, that's a great name for them. And the same would be true for the VCs and the investors out there, but not always. And, and I don't think there's any way that AI is ever going to come back you know, and recognize that kind of subtle difference, but it's hugely important at the start of a project to identify that. Um, if we switch into the creative brief, what are some of the things, because one of the things I know we try to do, Megan, is you know, we talk about the target and some other things, but yeah. when you think about the creative brief itself, what are some of the other issues that you think are just fundamental, basic, you got to cover whether you're using AI, whether you're using you know, some other techniques to, to move the project forward? Yeah, besides the discussion about your target, you know, we want to discuss the competition and what sets you apart from your competitors. You know, what is your value proposition and how can we really capitalize on that differentiator in just a few letters or words, which a lot of people really want their name to cover all the bases. You know, we want it to be short, but we also want it to kind of be like our competitors or we want it to really hit the ground running, but we also want it to be descriptive, but then we want it to be evocative and we want it to really bring in people. And it's like, okay, okay. So one name or just a few letters can't do all of those things, but let's figure out one thing and let's get clarity on that big question of what you want your name to do. And so, as I just said, you know, it sounds like a simple question to answer and even maybe even a silly question. Um, but when we ask teams, it really does kind of get fuzzy and it can get confusing for people. But it's one of the single most important questions to get the to get the answer for. And so, you know, maybe you want to establish you want this name to establish you as a leader in your industry. Maybe that's the number one goal. Or maybe you want the name to define a whole new category that you've that you've innovated that's never been created before. Um, or maybe you do just your primary target is to just spark a buzz or excitement and intention with a name that's a little edgy and controversial. Um, or maybe you just, like I said, want a name that's really straightforward and direct that everyone knows, you know, exactly what you do and what you offer. So there's a lot of answers to that question, um, but it's so clarifying and it helps us to kind of get the naming right. And an example, just to give an example of this, this is one of my favorite stories, um, Nature Sweets Tomatoes. Desert Glory, I believe, was the name of the client based out of San Antonio, but they wanted us to help them create a name for their grape tomatoes. 
which was interesting because at the time, you know, nobody branded their tomatoes. You go into the, the store and you choose your grape tomatoes, your cherry tomatoes, your Roma tomatoes, but Desert Glory wanted to brand and have a name for their tomato. And they had this limiting brand budget, but they wanted the brand name to really hit the ground running and be as viral and as you know, self-propagating as possible. It really needed to connect with the consumers in a way that would get them to remember and prefer and choose this specific tomato time and time again. And so the name that we gave them was Cherubs. You know, the name was really easy to say and spell. It was really unexpected in the space for tomatoes. You know, it connected to this emotional and fun and memorable way with consumers because it alluded to the cute and small and sweet, you know, red cheeked angels. And Cherubs was immensely successful. I mean, we're going on what, like two decades now? I think I was probably 12 or 13, but I've, you know, had Cherubs ever since I was little. And, you know, backstory, my mom, you know, used to work for you, Mike. And I remember this project whenever I was little. So I may have only worked with you for five years, but really I've been a part of the Namestormers family for much longer. And so um, anyway, going back to Cherubs, you know, it's not because Nature Sweet made magical tomatoes. They didn't put magic in their tomatoes or really anything proprietary about them. But because the name paired with the incredible logo and packaging became a story, you know, it wasn't just a name. It became something that you really gravitated towards. Um, you weren't buying the tomatoes. You were buying the story that came along with it. And so, you know, full circle, the team at Nature Suite or Desert Glory really knew the answer to that question, what do you want the name to do? They knew what their primary target was, which is to really engage emotionally and to tell this story. And I, I really think they hit the ball out of the park. So, you know, asking about your competitors is one, what sets you apart? What's your value proposition? What do you want the name to do? And then we do start to get into things like, um, what style do you want? What length of name is is something that you would be into? Um, do you want something that's more empty bucket or fuller bucket? I think you were the one that even coined those terms, Mike, of um, empty bucket, meaning a little bit meaningless, a coined, a made up name, something that you can wrap your own story around or fill with meaning. And then fuller bucket, meaning a name that's a little more descriptive and kind of you know, carries the story itself. So those are just a few things that we dive into for creative brief. And there's much more beyond that. I think Megan, the thing you started with is so important. It's worth reiterating, right? That the narrower the focus, the stronger the name, yeah. the stronger the brand. I mean, some of our engineers like to say it a little bit more complicated. You know, the strength of a name is inversely proportional to its scope, right? So if you try have the name mean too many things, or if you're trying to check too many boxes, well, no name is going to check every box if you've got a long checklist. So you end up with a name that doesn't do anything very well, right? right. And it, it's just sort of this ho-hum, you know, compromise, you know, boring name. The other thing that I would say is it's worth considering a name that's a little bit controversial. And this is another area that I think AI has great difficulty in understanding is that it's difficult for almost any AI engine or model that we've used or algorithm to discern the level of controversy that is perfect, right? Not too much and not too little, because it's very nuanced and it brings in a lot of understanding of, of culture and everything else. So I'll give you an example, um, different than Cherubs, but we've worked with most of the semiconductor manufacturers for years. So you think about the chipset that's inside your smartphone 
-hmm. or inside your notebook or PC. And they all all come to us and say pretty much the same thing, right? That, well, we want a a name that conveys speed because it's it's the fastest, latest generation. It's maybe a little bit smaller in size. It consumes a little bit less energy, right? Those were sort of the three cornerstones for years about naming the newest, latest, greatest generation of chip that went into these all this technology stuff. And there are only so many ways to do that, right? And it's hard to say, well, it's faster, it's smaller, and it uses less energy in a single name. You know, So pick one of the three. And it often came down to speed. And so I've suggested this name. I never got anyone to take me up on it because they felt it was a little, uh-huh. the millennials thought it was too old. And, and the folks that were Gen X from my age thought it was too controversial. And that's streaker, right? So you think about streaker (laughs) conveys speed. Um, It conveys a lot of other things too, right? It might cause some chuckles. It might cause some raised eyebrows. But it's it's an example of a name that it's different enough than what's out there. And it's also got a little bit of an edge or an attitude or controversy to it that it's not boring, right? And some companies are too buttoned down and they would never take the, the risk of the quote political incorrectness associated yeah. with that style of a name. But from a branding standpoint, that's that's almost one of the things that's a secret for success, that if the name does raise some of those eyebrows, then people do want to talk about it. And then it spreads almost organically through the social ether, through the right. digital universe. And before you know it, everyone's heard of the name without you having to spend hardly any money and in much less time than if you were out there you know, pounding the pavement and doing all the things that everyone tries to do today with, you know, digital and all the different social platforms, because the name was just inherently a yawner. <laughs> so that's, that's part great. of, I think, go ahead. Oh, it just reminds me of, you know, we did that a little bit with Angry Orchard, which we've talked about. That was another name that, that kind of pushed the envelope, but even more so than Angry Orchard, liquid death is what comes to mind is like, that is the drink that's everyone's buzzing about right now. You know, it's, about murdering your thirst and it's just water and like people are spending all of this money on water simply because of the name and because somebody you know decided to really risk it and they reap the rewards right and i think there's so many examples today and i think we'll see more of that in the future the the biggest one of the biggest challenges with ai is the opposite of simplification ai tends to be really good at just providing mounds and mounds and mounds of content and uh, me too kind of ideas and names that are these mashups that sort of sound like all the other names that are out there. It's almost overwhelming, right? It, it doesn't really simplify. It sort of makes it so much easier to increase the sheer volume of things you have to think about and paths to go down that it just causes frustration and angst and delays what we think are some really important decisions. So we will next week talk more about this and and some of the other basics that we've sort of seen important to follow, whether you're using AI or not, and some of the watchouts and some of the gotchas. But Megan, thank you very much for your time. And uh, for the listeners, please tune in again next week when we continue this conversation.